You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you guys had a great weekend. I most certainly did. I recorded a monumental two-year anniversary episode this past weekend. I am so stoked about how it came out. I'm so stoked all about it. I can't wait to announce this to you, but... I will not be doing that today. You guys still have time to pre-order the Vox and Hops Overhop Canada Collaborative Brew, aptly called Vox and Overhops, the New England IPA. You can pre-order that right now up until Friday, October 23rd. It is the first part of the Vox and Hops two-year anniversary celebrations. I'm really stoked about it. I can't believe that uh, Overhop Canada, one of my favorite breweries, is brewing a beer in collaboration with me for my podcast. It is truly humbling, and I love them to death. We are selling a combo of a t-shirt And it is such a sick t-shirt. The t-shirt design is truly incredible. You guys got to check this out. If you would like to pre-order it, you have until October 23rd where you get the t-shirt and the brew, which you can then pick up at the brewery or at La Canette, my favorite local Montreal craft beer store. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter. They put on one of North America's best metal festivals. And trust me when I say this, people, I have played just about all of them. I've played Wacken, I've played Summer Breeze, I've played Hellfest, I've played Loud Park in Japan, and Heavy Montreal is up there with the best of them. I'm super stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops podcast. Today's episode is a monumental episode because there would be no Vox and Hops podcast if it was not for this guest. Everybody get ready. This is Vox and Hops episode number 191 with Jamie Jasta. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Jamie Jasta, who needs no introduction. He sings for Hatebreed. He has an amazing podcast called The Jasta Show. He's got Kingdom of Sorrow. He's got his solo project. He used to host Headbangers Ball. How are you doing, Jamie? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. I'm uh, super, super stoked to have you on because... uh, as uh, whenever I tell my my Vox and Hops origin story, it always stems back to the Jasta show. So so I have something here for you, Jamie. Right here to 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 my side here, I have I have a sandwich for you. Yes, <laughs> because I I most definitely. <laughs> oh, it, got, it looks good too. It's got some avocado on there. Yeah, yeah, and some tofu, some Swiss chard, tomato, some hummus. Wow. I, I owe you a sandwich because, uh, as you like to say <laughs> on your your podcast, when people are inspired by other things, you, you you have to give them a shout out and buy them a sandwich. <laughs> so so, I was staying home with my daughter, and we had done an interview together on the Jazz's show. Me and Flo right before i did that and here in montreal it gets dark early in the winter so we don't watch tv with my kids we still don't so i 
started listening to podcasts and the first one that i turned to was the jazz to show and and from there it evolved into uh i would like to have a podcast so so thank you so much and thank you there is your sandwich oh which glad I, to hear i most definitely <laughs> owe you <laughs> awesome yes yeah, so i got a call today from a band manager who wants me to sing on an album and you know it, it just on a song and you know it's always weird when because i'm wondering do they hear do they listen to the podcast so i'm I, I never want to get to the pay part like right away, <laughs> but, but that's kind of really how the sandwich thing started. And I, I, I don't know if I edited it out or if I said the band, but basically I had, I, I was working at a very expensive studio at the time and they wanted me to do something. And this was back when you could get like 500 a day day rate at the studio and you, you got to wait for this guy to do this and this guy to do that. And I would be like, yo, can I just get like an hour? And they'd be like, no, you have to book a, you know, a four hour block. And even then that was still like 250 bucks. So, and this band was on a major label and I had done by that point, like 25 guest spots for free. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I thought if there was any band that I, that I thought, you know, could easily afford like a $500 day rate and, you know, pay my engineer. Exactly. Uh, plus, plus it's far. So it's, you're looking at like, and, and I know we probably have some listeners already tuning out like, Oh great. They're going to talk about like the business <laughs> expenses. Um, but just having to justify that, I was like, well, what the fuck, man? At least buy me a sandwich. I mean, something <laughs> like I'm doing all this shit. I'm going through all this trouble. It's hard enough for me to call a studio and make the time, at least, especially back then. You know, I had a billion things going on. But yeah, so then it, but then it turned into if you were inspired by a riff or a lyric or whatever, it was like, all right, then you owe this guy a sandwich. And then now everywhere I go, it's like the sandwich, the sandwich. But hey, it's good because I love sandwiches and, <laughs> you know. We all do, right? It's 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 a perfect thing, and you know it's a good thing that you like it because when we go on tour, that's all we end up eating, especially when we're touring <laughs> in Europe. <laughs> yeah, right. That place where we did the podcast with you and Flo—that that was, was awesome. Like yeah. Serious sandwich spread. Yeah, yeah, but they made you walk up like eight flights of concrete steps to get the sandwich, so you really worked for your carbs. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, how have you been coping with 2020, Jamie? So far, so good. I've I've come close to the the mental and uh emotional breakdowns but i always get right to the edge and then i gotta slap myself silly and say you have so many things to be grateful for and just try to stay in that moment of gratitude stay in that moment of uh health and wealth you know because it, it's one and the same right health is wealth so grab you know fresh juice drink some water, drop and do some push-ups while I'm playing none so vile or whatever <laughs> I got to, you know, jam on. And uh, then it's usually better. So, um, and people, there's so many people that have it way worse. And I've been finding that like using my time to do something positive gets me out of that real quick. Like the other day I was having a pity party and then I just was like, you know what? Fuck it. And I grabbed all this shit that I had. Comics, clothes, boxing gloves. I don't know why I had six different pairs of boxing gloves. I did like kickboxing classes at a, one of these places by me. And, and I didn't even do them for that long. I maybe went like three, four months because it was in between tours. But for whatever reason, I bought. Like why? Just buy one. But I was in that... <laughs> 
Like I was in that old mode, that old way of thinking. Now I'm like, get rid of it. So I went and dropped it all off at Goodwill. It'll go to someone else. Uh, I did this like the other day I got rid of my stage. I had a stage sitting in storage and this was like a stage like SOD played on Hapri. Like it really had a lot of sentimental value, but a buddy of mine hit me up. He's like, I need a drum riser. And my buddy wants a drum riser. I was like, you know what? You can have the stage. You can take the four parts, break it down and make it into, and, and it's like lifting a weight, like just getting rid of all this stuff, having enough time to be home to just minimize and streamline everything. And, yeah, it's been great. It's crazy. It's a, we're never home this much, especially during the summer, considering that we're normally doing all the fests. And it's, it's, been, it's been a blessing in disguise to, to be with the family that much. It's really amazing. Yeah, seriously. And I, and I like normally I hate cardio. I, I'll just lift weights or do push ups or whatever, sit ups, things like that. And, uh, but you know, you definitely pack on the pounds being home. Yes, you do. So long. And, uh, and my daughter's been killing it, like white waking up, going with my stepmom, walking like eight miles, 10 miles, 15 miles one day. So it's baby steps for me. So I've been like speed walking with her, but I only go like half a mile. Then I'm a half a mile back to my house. But it's nice to be able to just even do that because normally I'd be texting her like, hey, good morning. I'm in fucking Spain or wherever. And now I've been home and just... Yeah, I did get a record done though. I got an f- entire album done. I can't say who, who it's for yet, but you know oh, him. Oh, cool. Oh, even cooler. Or them, him, them. I I, I got to be careful. I don't want to give away any clues, but it's a it's a death metal record. I produced a death metal record. People are going to lose their fucking minds when they hear it. Ooh, very exciting. Very, very, very cool. Uh, Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends and uh, talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. Now, I know you don't drink, so I pulled out uh, a non-alcoholic beer in your honor. You're drinking some juice on your side. This is uh, the collab between Brewdog and Lamb of God that was made uh, specifically for Randy Bly. Uh, It's their Ghostwalker IPA. Non-alcoholic. It's the very first band craft beer collab non-alcoholic ever so it's it's super cool and monumental um tell me about how you just don't drink and you got sober and your life got so much better tell me about the positivity that came from finding sobriety well i don't like to say that i'm sober because i do take like cbd or you know occasionally i'll be in uh uh, i don't know amsterdam and i by accident once i ate like a a pot brownie then another time they had a cookie and i'm like just Give me a piece. So I, I, that, you know, when you get into the semantics, depending on who's listening, I, I just say I don't drink. Okay, cool. Um, and I think alcohol is, is the source of so many people's problems. And I think we will one day look back on alcohol kind of like the same way we do cigarettes. Hmm. And I, and I think the lobbyists and the people that, um, really push this down our throats everywhere we go on TV and magazines, on the internet, on billboards. I think, you know, people make a lot of money off of it and there are people who can have one and go about their life. And then there's people like me, which is one is too many and a thousand is not enough. Mm -hmm. So, um, but luckily that didn't translate over like, if I ate like a, you know, a couple pieces of 
pot uh, popcorn while I was in San Francisco or something. I didn't have a good show. <laughs> and, uh, and Cannibal Corpse didn't tell you that. And that was an accident as well because it was in the front lounge of the bus. But like, I didn't go and crash my car, um, have promiscuous sex with multiple girls in, in one night, uh, scream at all my band members, throw shit through a, a window uh, of, a, of a hotel or a bus, um, fight one of my friends, uh, lose teeth, burn myself. Like, so I didn't do any of those things and I didn't want to do it again. I actually was like, how do people eat this? This is insane. Why would you do this? Do you know what I mean? So it just, I think genetically speaking too, I think, I don't know if it's the Irish in me, but I, I have friends who are who are um, Native American, who are like, yeah, absolutely, it's the devil. We don't touch it. We can't touch it. So that, I don't know if there's genetic set play or whatever, but it's it's helped me have a relationship with my father. My father's uh, totally sober, and his dad got sober late in life, but it saved their relationship. My two uncles, uh, both who passed away, had struggled with alcoholism uh, on his side and my mother's brother as well. So it's in my genetics to go down a dark path of uh, anxiety, depression, and freaking out when, when alcohol is in my bloodstream. So I just stay away. That's amazing. And it's amazing that you discovered it quickly and, and have moved on and have just grown so, so, so greatly with your career. It's, it's, it's fantastic. T tell, take me back, though, when you were young to the soundtrack of your youth. When you were growing up, uh, what music did your parents or guardians listen to? What music was playing on the radio when you were not in control? Well, you know, I was asking my dad about this because I said, uh, what, what happened to all those LPs like that used to be an upstairs closet? Cause I would go up there and I would flip through the LPs and I'd play some of them. And, and he was like, Oh, then most of them were your mother's. I, I liked some of them, but my dad's like not a, not super big into music. And he said it more, it was more about just like having something to play when people came over. Um, and, and, you know, after uh, serving in Vietnam, he kind of became a, a little bit of a hippie and I would break his chops about that when I would see the old photos and stuff. And he'd be like, I just dressed like that. So they'd let me into the parties. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I thought that was funny because, you know, they, they got treated very badly. It's not like the way it is now where, you know, everyone's revering anybody in service to the military. And uh, so I could see that like, oh, yeah, I got to fit in. I don't want to be a, a leatherneck. I want to be this, you know, bearded hippie dude. But also, I think anybody that served in Vietnam realized that, you know, they were doing the bidding of corrupt, uh, morally depraved politicians and others in the military industrial complex. And, 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 you know, they were poisoned, uh, with agent orange. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, it was just, it's just a horrible situation all around. So, uh, you know, later on in life, I did ask my mother, like, what did we listen to? What did we, you know, because we had been growing up dealing with PTSD and dealing with my father uh, having flashbacks and things like that. So music was soothing and music could help after an episode or after a long day at work or a long day at school. Right. So my, I remember my mother would listen to like Tina Turner. Um, also, my mother was close with uh michael bolton's ex-wife really and they had 
like a nice house. They lived in a nice area. We went there once for a party and waited up to see one of his videos when he was still rock. And that was like amazing, right? To see, well, this guy is on TV. He's on MTV. Mm -hmm. This is, this is incredible. And uh, I know people know he wrote for like Kiss and stuff, but originally before he was an adult contemporary artist, he was more of a rock artist. Almost dare I say, one of the songs almost dare I say, kind of hair metal hmm. sounding. Um, so, so we had that album around. I know she liked the Pointer Sisters. And then as soon as I had money as a kid, like an allowance, or if I got 10 bucks from my grandparents for my birthday or... Um, or whenever I was allowed to go to my cousins, my cousin John, shout out to my cousin John. He he liked everybody from, he gets a lot of shout outs on my show because he had a very eclectic taste. And I was, my mother didn't want me listening to like Iron Maiden and Metallica and the stuff that he was listening to. But he also listened to like Rush and Robert Cray and, and a lot of progressive acts and things like that. So like even now he still likes, you know, Opeth and, so he has a very uh, eclectic taste, which I was lucky to be exposed to. So between that and then the usuals that you find in a record collection, like The Doors and um, Led Zeppelin, things of that nature. But, you know, a lot of those records I would go back and listen to, like, I didn't really like it that much. I didn't really like The Doors and, and a lot of classic rock. Later on, I learned to appreciate some of that stuff. But when I had my own money, I was buying, you know, like Crush Groove soundtrack, the first LL Cool J, Misfits, Metallica, Guns N' Roses, um, late 80s, early 90s. I mean, there was when I started gravitating to um, punk and hardcore and metal. I was lucky because there's this one record store that was on the Q bus line in New Haven. And so you could take the bus, you could just scrounge some change and then get on a city bus and, uh, and get to the record store. And they had a dollar bin too, which was really cool. Amazing. Yeah. Now the dollar bin also exposed <laughs> some stuff where if you were a naive, naive kid, you know, you might go home with cold lay, but there was one in there. One of the bands that went funk metal, Remember when all the thrash bands went funk metal? Oh, it's before my time, though, Jamie. Okay, how old are you? I am thirty-seven this year. Okay, yeah, so you're five. You're six years younger than me. So there was a time when a bunch of thrash bands went funk metal, but I liked some of that. Like I wasn't a hater when Suicidal did Infectious Grooves. I actually mm -hmm. went to go see Infectious Grooves at Toad's place, and they ripped it. But there were people that were like they just wanted they wanted their metal or their yeah. punk without the funk. You can't you know? change. You can't change, Jamie. <laughs> Plus, when I think when Red Hot Chili Peppers blew up, I think that kind of ruined it for everybody else, <laughs> right? Where it was like you're only gonna have one, <laughs> right? They already had the Mr. Bungle fight between the Who did it first thing, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I got that tape. I remember getting that tape. I wasn't like a huge fan of that or Faith No More, but now I can really appreciate it. We have to talk about uh, Montreal a little bit because this is a Heavy Montreal Presents Vox and Hops episode. Do you remember your first time playing in Montreal? Oh, yeah. I mean, first of all, everyone, when you're a degenerate and you're like 19 or 20 years old and you've booked shows or you've met people that have come down to shows like we would 
you know, travel to see shows in Burlington. So you meet people, you know, you're always like the pretty girls. We're always from Montreal. <laughs> and we would be like, what's in the water up in Canada? Like, cause the girls would come down and they'd have that sexy French accent. And yes, they do. Yeah. So we always like, we're like, please let us play, you know, snow core, let us play all these different shows that would be going on. And then when we finally, we were able to get over the border, it was just awesome. You know, the beer was strong. The clubs were, had good PA systems and sound. I mean, I remember one time I broke my tooth. I got my tooth fixed for like yeah. 40 bucks. I was like, this is incredible. <laughs> I just paid three grand in the States. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was. And then, you know, we were loading up on poutine and then I was like dying after the show off, off to the side of the stage. Like, why did I eat all that poutine? But yeah. See, you learned that. You learned that at, a, at an early age here. <laughs> no poutine before the show. You eat it after the show. Yeah. And we, we, you know, we got into all sorts of trouble. It was always fun. <laughs> Let's talk about this new record, this new Haybeard record, The Weight of the False Self, which is coming out on November 27th via Nuclear Blast. Uh, how do you feel releasing a record during a pandemic when you know that you can't tour it? I feel fine now. I've come full circle. <laughs> like I've, I've really come to terms with it. I, it's eerie listening to the record and then thinking about what's going on in the world. It's kind of, it's kind of eerie, but all in all, I think the people that are going to need to find it and need to hear it are going to need, are going to find it and they're going to hear it. And, um, whenever society goes through something really hard and it could be, it doesn't have to be a tragedy. It could be, it could like, I don't know if you've, when you've toured the States, if you've gone to places like we, where we've used to play heavily, like Tennessee and Arkansas and West Virginia. And I don't know how extensive you guys have been through there, but like we, we saw that effects of the opioid epidemic early on mm -hmm. and knew people who, who lost their lives because of it. And that was, was, was bad and that was really bad and at that time i remember people saying like more than ever like thank you for your music like thank you for putting out something positive because there was so much to despair about um that more despair wasn't going to do anything you you needed something to cut through that and i thought all right this was good. And then it kind of reminded me of when we came out with perseverance. Cause that was post nine 11. Mm -hmm. And that was obviously much different because everybody sort of rallied together in support of one another. Whereas now we're being told it's everyone's at each other's throat. But let me tell you, I live in a very diverse area and it's, it's, it's really nice. It's refreshing to go out. People are respect, respectful. People are, um, kind, caring, considerate. I mean, people are holding the door for me today. Um, so I'm always taking like that, that, that media push with a grain of salt. And I try not to consume a lot of it because they're looping stuff. It's not, this stuff is not happening all the time. They're mm -hmm. looping it and it acts, you're, you, you, they're acting like it's happening all day, every day. And sure there are issues in Oregon and Seattle and, and some, some places there's unrest, you know, obviously in Missouri and Minneapolis and stuff, but I don't know, maybe I'm just lucky being in Connecticut right now. The, I don't feel like there's so much despair as you see on social media, but if there is, 
there are some good positive songs, I think, with a, a purpose and a meaning that people will hopefully hear and get something out of on this record. But there's some definite uh, pissed off mean songs, too. Good. <laughs> Good. I'm stoked to hear it. I'm, I'm a fan. I, I've been loving it. Uh, we've had the chance to play together a few times. Uh, one of my favorite, I think, was uh, Quebec City uh, during the Festival d'été de Québec, and you guys just killed it. And it was so much fun. Let, let's dance into uh, podcasting. Um, why do you keep podcasting? What's something that keeps you in the game now that everyone else in the world has a podcast? Well, it's 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 changed, right? Since we don't do them in person. Mm-hmm. And doing them in person was a way for me to stay social and have a connection with people and get some different ideas, get some input output that is free for everyone to listen to. Mm -hmm. And so there's when you got skin in the game and the wrong thing can be said and 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 freak everybody out or it, the right thing can be said or, or a new thing can be said and spark a new thought. And you can be a compass to someone you never know. Right. Like we all listen to podcasts and we'll go watch a documentary or read a book or go to a museum where there's an exhibit or pick up a new record. Or, I mean, I've even listened to podcasts where I reached out to people they talked about on that podcast and invited them on my podcast. Mm-hmm. So I like that compass, that human compass aspect of it it's it's not ideal doing it on zoom but without touring i mean i've just been so lucky that i have my patreon and i have gas digital which i have equity in oh cool and we have a bunch of really super successful shows like rob flynn from machine yeah, yeah. head and killing it lewis j gomez and jay big j okerson and ralph's show and uh, michael bisping former former ufc champ his show is just killing it. Um, and we have some great sponsors that stayed on board. And sure, look, at the beginning of this, we all knew we were going to lose sponsors. And we did. Everybody did. But the ones who stayed on board and the fans that use our coupon codes and and subscribe to the Gas Digital and Patreon have been a lifesaver and a, a real game changer for me. You know, they really moved the needle in my life because not only are all my bills paid, but then I'm able to help other people in need and reinvest and donate. And um, it's been nice to not stress over uh, money. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is different via Zoom. It's it's having this like barrier between us. It's, it's completely different. And then there's no like before time or after time of the interview. It's, it's a completely different beast. But I do like sort of the part of it where I can just hang out with my family, hop into an interview, and then I'm right back. I think that's that's a blessing in disguise of the the Zoom interviews that I've discovered. Yeah, for sure. And being able to decompress in between and then cuz on the road, it's like when we did it when we recorded it with you guys, you walk out of the dressing room and then there's four or five people you got to talk to. Someone needs this, you need to you know, where's the bus? Where's this? Uh is the elevator going to work? You know, and and it's it's more input output whereas with Zoom now you can actually have some downtime in between. Like I'm going from this, I'll go upstairs, I'll take a piss, I'll refill my water, I come right back down, I have Jesse Leach from Killswitch I'm coming on my show. So yeah, you get a little more privacy, a little more uh, decompression and it helps you kind of like 
if you want to research like today i told jesse well, let's talk about chemtrails let's talk about <laughs> the cia like let's let's get spacey without the kevin i told him <laughs> very cool um, <laughs> and uh he's like i'm down bro i'm down so i did a little research this morning but i'm going to do a little bit more in between this and that and you know grab some talking points and stuff that's always yeah that's great that's always important to do that uh what would be some advice for someone that's just starting a podcast now I feel like you're probably the most successful metal musician podcaster out there. So, so what would you give an advice to? Oh, well, I mean, well, thank you. But I, I think I really, I think Eddie Trunk and Jericho kind of, they, I always look to them because, and then people can say Jericho's sports entertainment or, or, or wrestling centric podcast, but he's had a lot of metal people on, not me yet. I don't know why I, I, I don't want to be that guy and, and be a punisher, but for this album, I'm really going to have to, right? Like, please, can we, can, can we, can I get some love? Can I get some Jericho love? Come on, Canadian. He's Canadian. I know. I was going to say, come you, on, Canadian brother. Let's go. Yeah. You, you might have to put the good word in for me, but, uh, I always look to those guys and see what they're doing. I always, I mean, Jericho, I've always just respected his work ethic and his willingness to get spacey and get wild like he's he's had like flat earthers on hmm. and he's had horror movie people and music people and conspiracy theorists like he had this great episode with a guy talking about the jfk assassination and this guy you know and, and i went and i rented that guy's movie on amazon and i i wouldn't have without the podcast. So I always thought that that was cool that he branched out and did other stuff like that. And he's so like right on the money with, I mean, this guy, he responds to everybody and he's present and he's focused. So I, that's a big thing. I think you need, that's, that's something I lacked in the first probably 150 episodes. I was always like worried about the follow-up or worried about like the noise in the background or worried about this person walking by knocking on the bus. And I, I wasn't, yeah, I don't know if I was as present as I need to be. So I say, be present, be accountable, be responsible, and also be able to just change your opinion when someone brings you new evidence. Don't be so set in in certain ways. Like I really started out kind of anti Spotify, mm -hmm. but then I put out my own record. I own the master, did it through TuneCore, and can see how much each song makes when you own your master. And now I've turned the page and I, you know, I'm, I'm into Spotify, especially if I'm going to be like, I just did a second Josta record on my own. And um, Jesse actually, Jesse Leach from Killswitch, he sings on one of the songs, one of the biggest songs on Spotify that I have. And that money now that we make off that song, I can reinvest so it's kind of helped me be a little more DIY in that sense. And then also made me sort of rethink the biz. So when, but you got to do it, you, you can't just talk about it and have someone bring you new evidence and then say, all right, well, I'm going to change my outlook on this certain situation or change my opinion. You have to be able to actually go out. And if it's something that you can put to practical use, if you do it and then you change your opinion, that's also important. Absolutely. Absolutely. What would be a, You've had almost everyone, right? You, you've you've interviewed <laughs> the whole spectrum of <laughs> extreme musicians and and comedians. Uh, who would be that that white whale that you haven't interviewed yet? Lars or James, and we're working on it. We'll see. I've had Kirk, and he's great. He, I I was thinking about him, you know, with Halloween coming up and and the horror convention. I was like, oh, that sucks. That you know, we're not going to be able to 
have that or any horror convention for that matter. Not for the time being, no. <laughs> yeah. And what would be an interview that you would love to go back and redo because you feel like you mishandled it? Probably King Buzzo. Just, I don't know if it was a bad day for him or if I just didn't do my research enough, like correctly. I always try to look inward. I think it'd be in the beginning, I blamed him for the, for the sort of crappy episode. But then through reflection and looking inward, I was like, maybe I brought the wrong energy in there. You know, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't have been asking about Courtney Love and asking about the documentary and stuff. And, but when you don't ask about certain things and fans get upset and they say, you're hitting them with softball questions. And I'm like, well, keep in mind, I'm not an interviewer. I'm not a journalist. I didn't go to journalism school. This is a discussion. It's really mm-hmm. not an interview. It's a discussion. An interview is different. I mean, I can throw some questions into the discussion, but I'm not there just to ask questions. And that's been an issue for some people. And I'm like, well, hey, luckily there's 900,000 other podcasts <laughs> that you can listen to. Yes, there are. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, some people are so well-versed and so media trained that their answers are so rehearsed that I know what they're going to say if I've listened to like two or three other podcasts that they've been on and then I have them on. Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to avoid that. I agree. And then there's people who are completely not media trained whatsoever and they'll go off on a rant and then I'll have to delete the whole episode because I'll have uh, lawyers calling me and managers calling me like he was off his meds. You can't put this Mm. episode out or whatever. And so every situation is different, but though that I'd like to redo that one, I'd like to redo. Mm. But he's coming under fire now. I don't know if you've seen recently, like... I haven't, no. He's coming under fire for... And I don't know if it... And honestly, I probably shouldn't even talk about it because I don't know enough or why. But people have taken um, certain art to mean things and certain, I don't know, photos of him or whatever to, to, to make him seem... I forget. I forget what it was. So don't quote me on that. But now if I was to have him on again, people would be like, how come you didn't bring that up? Meanwhile, I don't want to start it off on a bad foot and be like, hey, so you're accused of being whatever, having this um, imagery on your record cover that could be construed as something sketchy or I don't know. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um you have been posting and talking about wanting to do live podcast events again. Can we talk about that? Explain this a bit more to me. Yeah, actually, that's what I'm pitching to Jesse when he comes on my show in an hour or actually in 12 minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> or uh, yeah, what's, are you on East Coast time? I am, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, then 13 minutes. So, what I want to do is... I want to have those heat lamps mm-hmm. set up, do it in a parking lot of a venue, have tables so you can come as a group. We'll have the tables six feet apart and we'll have speakers like kind of throughout. Staggered throughout it, yeah. So that we don't have to have it like super cranked from the stage, mm-hmm. but you'll still be able to hear us. And I thought maybe we'll have food trucks or we'll do 
like a breed brew presents, like you, you had mentioned Lamb of God's non-alcoholic beer earlier. We're doing one Are as you? well. Very cool. Yeah, we're, we're taking a page from the Lamb of God book. I thought that was great that they did that. Very cool. It's called Breed Brew? Yep. Um, we're doing... We, we have the can release October 18th. Really? If anybody wants to come down to Southington, Connecticut, it's probably only about a five, six hour drive from Montreal. Yes. How do you say it? Montreal. Yeah. Who, who's, so, who's brewing this breed brew? This is Witch Doctor in Southington, Connecticut. And we've already done one socially distanced, safe beer tasting event Very cool. where we where we released some glassware. We had like uh, growlers, 32 ounce growlers. We had pint glasses. And we did a meet and greet. That's right. With, you need your glassware. Yes, I'm due. Check martyrstore.net. We got <laughs> we, we got we got some cool stuff coming out. We got some Exodus glassware coming. We Very got cool. some uh, some crowbar. So we're doing all these different various projects. I thought, you know what, we could we could probably offer both the non-alcoholic and the cans since the cans are coming out, out October 18th. We could probably start getting these on sale at all the local stores and then at all the venues that are open for comedy shows or spoken word or drive-in shows and things like that. So we're, that's another aspect of the business that we're trying to get into, you know, Iron Maiden and Megadeth and Lamb of God now with their non-alcoholic beer have had a lot of success. And again, just because I can't have one because one is, too many and a thousand's not enough. There are people who can drink responsibly, responsibly, and Matt and Chris are passionate about all different types of beers, IPAs. They always go to brewery tours and stuff while we're on the road, and and they're part of the band, and and they should absolutely be able to expand into that business. Absolutely, very cool, very cool. That's very exciting. I want to I want to get my hands on one of these breed brews. Sounds amazing. Uh, you hustled like a madman early in your career. You promoted shows. You 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 guys toured like an animal. Uh, how do you keep the hustle going now? How do I keep the hustle going now? I just occasionally I'll I'll ingest some uh, I'll consume some some haterisms. <laughs> You know, like you'll read some comics. It's got some comment yeah. sections. Go to YouTube. That's rule comments. number one. Don't read the comments. <laughs> go go to my uh, my Instagram message, like that other folder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> so the other day, I was like, things are going too well. I need to I need to have some balance. I need to read some haterisms. So I went into there, and their first top of that other folder, which you're never supposed to check is, you know, this guy, why don't you read another fucking ad? You sell out all this. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I haven't done a show in a year. God forbid I have an ad. Sorry for the free content. God forbid I have a fucking 30 second ad. Meanwhile, this same asshole will go and wait in line at Supreme and pay $300 for a shirt they printed for three bucks. Or this same asshole will sit and watch the NFL or NBA or MLB, which I'm not kidding you, they run 15 minutes straight of commercials sometimes. Wow. It's insane how many commercials. Like I tried to watch the game the other night with my nephew and I was like, who can do this? Like they stop and then they go to commercial. They drop the ball and they go to commercial. The guy falls over, they go to, I mean, like, like it was, it was just horrible. I have two ads in a two-hour podcast, two 30-second <laughs> ads. Unless he was talking about the intro. But the intro, I put content in with the ad. So I was like, you know what? I wasn't going to reach out to sponsors today. 
But that guy being a hater inspired me. I did cold calls like the old <laughs> days. And I did cold emails. And Good I hit up 20, 20 different companies, right? Four of them got back to me and I booked the ads. So if I hadn't seen this guy's negativity, I wouldn't have wanted to spite him. And <laughs> which isn't always the best thing to do. And so by doing that, he inspired me to go get another check. And now I'm going to turn that into four checks. So you got to sometimes take that in whether you want. And look, I'm all for constructive criticism. But um, when you're doing something for free, you're, you're putting out free content. This was not on my... You're not hearing ads on Patreon. You're not mm. hearing ads on Gas Digital. If you want to pay the seven bucks a month and get like fucking 9,000 shows in the mm -hmm. archive on Gas Digital, you're not going to hear ads. But you can't please everyone. And when you try to, you end up pleasing nobody, right? Is that what they say? That is correct. That is correct. Jamie, thank you so, so much for taking the time, having a chat with me. While I enjoyed this Brewdog Lamb of God collab, Ghostwalker, um, so much fun to chat with you. I got My your pleasure. sandwich here. I'll mail it to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you ever... What was my pitch to you guys, to you and Flo? Was it the, was it the cross-Canadian, uh, full-Canadian... No, you had you had an extreme drummer tour, and I, it's still been kicking around in my mind because you always have good ideas that you pitch during your podcasts, like a Dave Lombardo with Dead Cross and Cryptopsy tour, and uh, you know, like Nile because they have a sick drummer as well. So, so, something like that, but but like okay. genre crossing, extreme drummer package, and I still think it's a great idea. Dude, that I'm so glad you because uh, I wouldn't have remembered that. I thought it was the cross Canadian <laughs> tour with Gorguts. Cryptopsy Voivod, because that's never been done, right? We have spoken about that as well since that interview, but uh, but the I, I wanted to convince Flo to do a fest called And Then You'll Blast. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, because then during the day, they can do clinics. Mm, exactly. And, you know, sell the sticks and the drum heads and all that stuff. I remember Vinnie Paul on that tour, man. Oh, my God. He was killing it with those signs, drum heads and the sticks. And then a buddy of mine did merch for Kiss and recently. And that's Eric Carr, right? Eric Carr. I believe you're Kiss. I believe you're right, yes. Yeah. And so I said, he, you know, obviously he can't share numbers, but I said, if I guess what just Eric does in merch, because Eric's allowed to sell like signed drum heads and sticks and whatever else, a signed eight by ten or whatever. I said, if I guess near the number. And I'm going to just base this off of some smaller like metal bands, like nightly merch numbers. And dude, he kills it. So I'm all sure. these people, you know, all these people that are like, bring back Peter or whatever, all those people that don't want to give Eric his due, they are the, the vocal minority because the majority of people fucking love this dude and are, he, I mean, he is crushing it every night. And I thought that's so cool. So drummers have that support, right? Drummers, they get the short end of the stick, pardon the pun, when it's... Loading um, time. <laughs> yes. And when it's having to buy the gear. Yes. And, and all the, the practice, the lifelong dedication to the craft. And staying in shape. and Right. And then to be, you know, back, it's not always with the best lighting. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the parents like, Jesus, I can't take you <laughs> tapping on everything. And everybody, right? So, like, this would be like the... the the vindication, the 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 come up and wait, is that the right term? No, I don't know. What's the right term? The 
and the reward yes. the reward yes. for all that that suffering and the, the 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 years of turmoil that they had to put in to to become a touring drummer and it's true you're right that they have the most uh easy way to sell merch because they just break them anyways and they're gonna throw them out <laughs> <laughs> yeah so keep keep pushing it for it man and uh and just you know when i come out to one of the gigs just a sandwich just have it waiting <laughs> i will 100 percent in the backstage <laughs> Cheers, Jamie. Thank you so much. Thanks, brother. Great seeing you. Take care. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Jasta, Jasta, Jasta. Man, do I love Jamie Jasta. I I can't say it enough. There would be no Vox and Hops if it wasn't for the Jasta show. So that sandwich is, is well earned, and I absolutely do owe it to him. Uh, Jasta, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me. Really, really appreciated that. You're, you're a true icon and a legend and uh, a true inspiration. If you guys enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, please go and subscribe to the podcast via the podcast platform of your choice. I have over 190 other Vox and Hops episodes for you to go and enjoy. Vox and Hops is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I have one more episode coming at you this Friday, but until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now on Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.